0: Hello, everyone. This is Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. I am a religion recovery coach who helps people with life after religion. And this podcast allows people to share their stories of abuse and religious trauma in various religions and cults. Some guests come on the show to discuss specific topics to educate and bring awareness Discussions will range from purity culture, mental health, religious trauma, Christian culture, deconstruction, spirituality, and much more. Now, let's get into this episode of Speaking Up with Andrew Pleasure. Hello, everyone. This is Speaking Out with Andrew Pledger, and I am super excited to have Erin once on the show today. She grew up as an evangelical Christian, attended Bible college, and worked in the full-time ministry, and she is a young life survivor. And if you're not aware, there is a Me Too Young Life movement that is happening, and I know they have an Instagram account, and I'll link that below.
1: Andrew, yeah, thank you for having me. I was excited when you messaged me I was like oh my gosh me like little (laughs) me
0: oh that's so sweet (laughs) I always search out for people who are vocal about their stories and that's why I notice Mm -hmm. about you because like I don't want to approach someone who's I think will be uncomfortable sure I I don't want to put people in that position or make them feel like they have to because I know a lot of us we are people pleasers who grew up in these Mm -hmm. environments and we have to say Yes, yes. To think, so I don't want to. Yes, I don't want to put right. people in that position where they feel bad, or feel like they have to people please or do something. Well, it's like
1: it's such a risk to speak mm. out, and it's like you yeah. have to really be like, "Do I want this?" So I never blame or make anyone feel bad for not sharing. I'm like, "Do what yeah. do you have to
0: do." Yeah. For me,
1: my healing has been speaking out. Yes. So here we Ooh. are.
0: Oh yes. Mm. And so I'm curious, what was your childhood like? Regarding religion.
1: Yeah. So I grew up in a like a Mexican Cuban family. Mm-hmm. My mom's Cuban. My dad's like half Mexican, mm-hmm. but we had like a really tight knit family. And I was essentially born a Christian. And like when I think back on those memories, they're really positive of mm-hmm. being having that community mm-hmm. church that was really close. It was very charismatic. Pretty much all of my family attended it. That was my world. Like church and family mm-hmm. was like, oh, this is it. And so as I got older and was like, wait, not everybody lives like this. And then it was interesting because I, I definitely always had this deep longing for this connection and seeing these really positive spiritual experiences that people had. I always felt like, why am I not feeling that like them? What am I missing? And so I always since i can remember like age 9 like so young had this fear in the back of my mind like you might not be a real christian though i was exposed to a lot of different denominations mm. cuz we had changed churches multiple times in my youth and you know some of the more calvinist type exposure and then being like am i not chosen just had like deep anxiety now when i think back of like just not mm-hmm. feeling like I didn't have this come to Jesus moment that is so prevalent. So I was like, is it not real for me? And so I was always like, trying so hard to m- convince myself that I was in the right stance with God, essentially. I see. Um, yeah. And I that because of that, I spent like most of my, honestly, my time like seeking, like I did mm. have Hobbies and friends, and like fun things. Like, I was super, I loved doing theater. That was like a passion of mine. And mm. I think back on that now, and I'm like, I definitely enjoyed it, but I'm like, I wish I didn't have all these other fears, mm. couldn't sleep. I'd get sleep paralysis. I think I was being attacked by demons all across the board. And yeah. so then those would be almost like self fulfilling things of see, you're maybe you're not really saved. And so mm. I know that's common of that. I got saved like 500 times, like in the jacuzzi. I was like, I, I want to be baptized because I was like, I want this to be real. Mm-hmm. I ended up going to Bible college. Also, my faith is something very important to me. And I want to understand. I was like, I want to understand church history and Greek and all these things. Mm-hmm. So I did that. And it's interesting now, cause I don't like, I don't regret it. I met mm-hmm. my husband, like through that church that I yeah. went to Bible college with and We've been married 10 years. It's just, it's such a journey.
0: And so I guess I'm just curious now, what is your faith like now? If it still exists, I'm just curious.
1: Yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's not. <laughs> like I said earlier, it's like, I believe in myself right now. I love that. Yeah. And yeah. And like a lot of, I'm just doing a lot of healing. And that's I'm, great. I feel like I'm deprogramming like all these mm-hmm. fears. And so it's a, like, I see all this like woundedness Uh of my childhood Uh, and yeah it really started with going to therapy Mm. and taking care of myself and at first I was with like a Christian therapist Mm. then there were different circumstances that were the like the reason why it was like okay it's time Mm. for a new therapist but for me internally I was like I this is like faith praying Mm. God like all these things are no longer comforting for me I'm Mm. glad that god like an all-loving god is comforting for people Mm -hmm. like i'm happy but Mm -hmm. it's just not for me i think i just like yeah there's no nothing definitive but i'm like i think there's a little bit of we're all Mm -hmm. spiritual there's Mm -hmm. so many different religions in all these cultures and so just having a respect for that i practice yoga frequently Uh obviously there's like kind of some appropriation like appropriation with yoga as far as like a religion And so I really try to like go to like on YouTube or whatever and people that I feel like they're a little more in tune with it. And it's not just like white girl yoga for me, just that meditation and like connecting Mm. with my body is like very, I don't know. It's just very peaceful Mm. for me and grounding, connecting with myself. And so that's as far as it goes. And outside of that, I'm sure there's like something, but I just think we're all like the power of like humanity and nature. And so that's my undefinitive place of belief right now
0: I love that and how because you know for me personally I realize all of our journeys are different for me mm-hmm. I deconverted that shit yeah. because I was like <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it was just remove trying to remove the weights that were placed upon me really yeah. for me getting to the Point of being like oh my gosh my mental health is more important my well-being yep. is more important than this doctrine or subscribing to this belief or claiming that i'm a part of this group yep and i think it took me a long time to get there to prioritize yeah. my mental health and my well-being and be like if there is a loving god if this faith is true or if there is something then he can wait or they can wait and they'll be fine they'll- like,
1: <laughs> this is my existence right now they'll be fine and that's I don't know if you have those like ever those anxieties come up like oh, what if this is true and I'm wrong and I'm just like I don't want to accept that that could be true though I don't accept that's that mm. God is like you're down to hell I don't know if I want to be with you the way that we've been told about God is like very manipulative and yes. it comes from a, such a specific Mm. like perspective there's so much like patriarchy and white supremacy and stuff like mixed into it that I'm just like I don't want to be with you that's fine I'll take my chance I don't I also don't believe in hell I don't know I don't know what the afterlife looks like and
0: that's interesting to me because right before I left fundamentalist Christianity one of my mentors was like oh like you shouldn't be so public about it what if you change your mind And and I'm thinking in my mind though like i had already done so much like deconversion and like investigating of a lot of the fundamentalist claims and a lot of them mm-hmm. very easy to refute by like evidence and proof of like inerrancy of scripture creationism yep. all these different things are really easy and i'm like wow, i like facts aren't gonna change that's what i was thinking
1: yeah like the sky's blue pretty sure that just is yeah really stop that yeah and so
0: like i didn't i knew that would trigger her so i like just didn't say anything i was like. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I think, um, yeah, that's not gonna. Happen.
1: You're like, thanks for your thoughts. That's yep. it. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> it's like, you're not gonna wreck someone else's world like for them, because this yeah. is hard. I didn't yeah. want to choose to leave mm-hmm. my whole faith that like built my whole life. It was a huge risk. Like, mm-hmm. I think I like, were like, seek with all your heart and you'll find me. It's like, I did and I found my way out. That's what happened when I saw it. I found my way out
0: so mm, i love what else that. am i
1: like i sought mm-hmm. the truth and i the truth set it. you free like, the truth <laughs> yeah. set me free yeah so i don't know what to say
0: <laughs> as i've gotten out i've seen people compare a narcissistic abusive relationship mm-hmm. to the god yeah. of the bible mm-hmm. like oh of how you're nothing without the separate mm-hmm. you from people they don't like or don't agree with And it's like constantly putting you down, and like that's what I noticed too in church looking back. I'm like, I I grew up in the IFB cult, and if it's the independent fundamental Baptist, yeah. um, And it just blew my mind how sometimes we're like, oh, like God loves you, and then the next week it's like, or it's but you're a piece of shit. Yeah, this love bombing, and and then this devaluing. They make you emotionally dependent on this higher power. And the love bombing, and then they come around with a devaluation, and they're like, You're a piece of shit. You deserve help, well, blah, blah. Just so much emotional, mm-hmm. spiritual, psychological abuse, and
1: all these mm-hmm. different
0: things. And then leaving and looking back on it, I'm like, Oh, and then the whole like, God, you're nothing. You are nothing mm-hmm. without him. And it's, like, Oh, that sounds like a narcissistic abuser
1: who's. Like, yeah. Like if your friend was in an, a relationship like that, you'd be like, Hey, this person is hurting yeah. you. I even remember as a little kid having a thought of like, why does God have to send people to hell? Like, why is this the way it has to be? And things like that. And then I would get like extreme anxiety and being like, I'm sorry, God. Like, I'm sorry. I thought that I remember really specific moment. And I was like, I remember where I was. I was like walking to the garage. I Mm -hmm. was like, it was something just in the, I can't even remember specifically what it was, but it was like, cause God's ways are higher than our ways. Mm. And so if I see this thing, yeah. I think it's wrong, but God says it's okay. And it's why, like, why do we have to even respect mm-hmm. God? Cause he's yeah. God. And like, we should worship him. And I was like, that's selfish. Like that was yeah. me thinking this, my yes. internal monologue. And then a wave of fear came over. Mm. me. Like, how dare you think that about God? Yeah. And so like intrusive thoughts Ooh. were like, a really big fear thing for mm. me, and like sleep was really hard until oh, no. my mid twenties wow. or late twenties.
0: Yeah, looking back, and I'm being a label like those kinds of phrases that people use. They're called thought terminating cliches, mm-hmm. and they're phrases that religious or cultic groups use to stop people from thinking critically,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and to stop from questioning. So again, like the God's ways are higher than our ways, or oh, only God mm-hmm. can know, or oh, we'll only know when we die. Or just all these different things are, oh, or just the very blatant, you can't question that. <laughs> you
1: can't. Yeah. Do- how dare you question God? Yeah. And it's interesting because I didn't grow up in as intense of like a fundamental mm. group. Like there definitely were moments, but yeah. it's, sometimes I think people think of like cults and like the worst case, like Jim Jones, something like yeah. really extreme. It's like, it's actually almost, and I'm not comparing, but it's like, it can be like, more insidious in a way of like when it feels like veiled and Mm. oh this is no god is is welcome like all those things they're still based on the same beliefs so not that one is worse than the other but i think people sometimes like i didn't have a bad experience like i didn't go to this place where i had to wear jean skirts all the time and like it's like it doesn't it still can have that traumatic yeah. effect yeah even in a more friendly normal was a regular good christian i still have these effects of people that mm, were in like,
0: yes you
1: it needs like really extreme situations mm-hmm. so it's like want to speak out on that because i think sometimes people are mm-hmm. like well, mine wasn't that bad
0: once i actually began educating myself and learning about the criteria for cults, which is like Stephen Hassan's bite model or mm-hmm. Lifton's criteria for thought reform, and then comparing that to the group and realizing that cults exist on a spectrum. Mm. And I'm like, oh. And then, like analyzing that using those lenses through the IFB, it was like very obvious. I was like, oh my god! Like, oh that's...
1: my god, it is. Yeah, <laughs> I always just think of like high demand, high control group.
0: Yeah, and it's like
1: it, it was. It is.
0: Yes, and it's interesting because, uh, sadly, a lot of us who grew up in these religious environments, I don't know, were you ever, were you, did you go to school or were you homeschooled? That's I another was question. homeschooled,
1: actually. Ooh, same. But I grew up in Southern California. Mm. You were homeschooled? Okay. Something that I, like, I look back on now, and I know I've had to do a lot of healing over the years. And so something mm-hmm. I've come to that I'm like, I don't resent my parents, like, for... All this stuff. Like, I have a good relationship with them. We don't like 100% agree on everything, but like, we can. I don't know. I've had to separate it from them mm. for myself because I'm like, yeah. they were doing the best they could. Mm. And these were what their leaders of their belief were telling them. Like, hey, if you're a loving parent, like, you want to be with your kids all the time and like, you want to be the ones being the biggest influence in their life to lead them to God. And, uh, and like, they, the thing that I'm grateful for is that we did things outside of just homeschool groups like that was just an aspect mm-hmm. we would I was involved with theater and like musical yeah. theater like in secular groups like it wasn't like oh we can't talk to them like it wasn't shut down and so I'm grateful for that mm-hmm. helped normalize my life a little bit and not mm-hmm. feel so separated yeah, that's but I know there were leaders like using scripture and being like this is mm-hmm. like how you love your family like God and so it's like they had that put on them too so mm-hmm. i can't i was in the same that it's only been a few years since i'm like yeah. okay i'm done with this and yeah. so i don't fault them for that and that's something in my healing process that i've come to and obviously that's not everyone's case mm-hmm. that like the homeschool thing was interesting there's some mm-hmm. areas where i'm like i'm glad that happened So it mm-hmm. gave me a lot of freedom and spontaneity yeah. and i think mm-hmm. we definitely leaned more into that side than a very like regimented homeschool thing like we didn't really fit the mold of the homeschool Uh group even when we were yeah but I was I was homeschooled
0: (laughs) gotcha yeah that's interesting yeah I was homeschooled my entire life oof and it's interesting because I'm glad that you're able to see like those different perspectives because that's something that I've been trying to do it's hard well Um, it really
1: depends on like where I don't know where your parents are at and mine aren't not everyone is in like, situation. my situation mm-hmm. is yeah. not the same as everyone. So I yeah. would never be like, you should be
0: yeah, that's forgiving
1: great. that like, it's not yeah. even that. It's because yeah. I'm not mad at them. I'm mad at a systemic issue. Mm, so that's I how see. I, I see it.
0: I know you said you had these intrusive thoughts and different things. You mm-hmm. weren't allowed to question certain things. What other things mm-hmm. did you try to question? Like I've noticed how like they cause such a fear of questioning. Yeah so much because they don't want you to question their system or challenge it in any way
1: no you got to comply mm-hmm. i think i always like i always felt like more strict like doctrine like hard-held beliefs or like orthodoxy was like that's too much you guys need to chill yeah. out a little bit like i always had that mentality but at the same time took my faith very seriously and i was really hard on myself but just the submissive woman thing Mm. I was like that's not me I'm not gonna be like I'll sit here and wait for boys to talk to me and stuff Mm -hmm. like that but because of that I don't think it looks great to Mm -hmm. you know other people oh that girl's promiscuous Uh she went and talked to a boy and Uh. things like that that are like silly and so I think other I don't think I saw them as red flags at the time, but they were just things I was uncomfortable with. I was uncomfortable with the idea of hell. Like I'd look on an airplane Mm -hmm. flying out and look over the city and be like, all of these people are probably Mm -hmm. going to hell. I can't understand that. And so I wouldn't deny it, but I would just be like, that's really hard for me to accept. While being afraid of going to hell myself, of course. Another thing was, yeah, like, strict dress codes and things like that I was always like that's not my responsibility of what other people think when they see me at the same time I didn't have a lot of like there weren't leaders or people like encouraging that you know, That was just me trying to trying to be an individual if I could then just not accepting of LGBTQ plus mm. people I was just like that's not fair even when I was in spaces where I was like regurgitating the rhetoric of, like, yeah. Oh God, us in, and God, this is just your burden. And as I got, like, I, I would find uh-huh. myself like saying that and being like, I hate this. And I like f- the further away, like toward the end, I say towards my last years, before I got out, I would be like, that's like what people say, but I don't really like that. So I don't really know what to do with it. This was like pre affirming. I just became like towards the-, the last year and a half of my faith like very progressive christian and mm. then i was just like actually i don't want any of this this isn't i yeah. can't make this fit what i need it yeah. to fit. so mm. i need to be done with it those were some red flags that i could think mm. of
0: so i know you ended up at bible college then in the full-time ministry so tell me
1: yeah how that
0: came about
1: yeah so i had gone to bible college i met my husband there obviously like through church mm-hmm. he, he didn't really go to the school but anyways and we had a great time and we lived on Maui for a few years, which was awesome. And then we mm-hmm. moved to Oregon.
0: Oh, wow. And when I
1: moved to Oregon, it was like a really, honestly, I look back now. I'm like, that was traumatic in just like, such a major change, such a major yeah. move. I was at a place faith wise where I was like plateaued. I felt really jaded after leaving Bible college of, I felt used because at the mm. Bible college they'd have, here's this class and the classes clean the church oh, like, my god! free labor and then they're uh, like, be faithful in the little things. And I would just be like, that's so stupid. I would think that. Yeah. And so I was like over it. And people at the church being like, oh, what church are you going go to go Oh, you're going to that church? Oh, weird. They, I didn't like the idea that like I had to be approved by them. But then when yeah. I moved to Oregon and it was just like community, new friends, like very small town, which was something I wasn't used to. That was like really hard. And then a uh, friend of ours was like, Hey, we're going to start a young life group. And I had never been involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was like, you should come to a meeting and see about getting involved. Uh-huh. And I feel like I latched onto that, because mm-hmm. I needed community, like I needed yeah. friends, and I needed to feel like I yeah. had purpose. Uh-huh. So I don't that that was what really got me into it. And so young life, if people don't know, it's like a evangelical organization that focuses on bringing Jesus to unchurched kids and so they try to be very relational like they they call it like incarnational ministry like the word became flesh and dwelt among us and so we are doing that like Jesus going into the world of these kids Mm -hmm. and so it would be with middle school high school college Mm -hmm. age and then there's a couple like branches out of with teen moms and kids with disabilities Mm -hmm. as well but it's at the adolescent age which is very vulnerable time a time where you do need community. You do need purpose. Mm-hmm. You do need these things, and so now I'm like at the time I was like, "Wow, this is so great!" It's like giving these kids a place to feel welcome. Like I mm-hmm. really did love that, and I still think kids need that. But the thing is, it was like to bring them to Jesus. Like the mission statement is introducing Jesus or kids to Jesus Christ and helping them grow in their faith. And so it's like mm-hmm. the goal is still this this mission. And so I got Mm -hmm. involved and Young Life likes to use a lot of fun and they're, they play secular music and all these things. And I was like, for me at the time, I was like, I love this. I wish I had this in high Mm. school because this is what I wanted. So it was like giving me this thing that I thought I needed in high school. And so I felt like I could give this to kids Mm. now and give them a space to ask Mm. questions and to be like, I'm not super comfortable with this aspect of the Bible and I don't know. There's some people, there's definitely a range in young life of being Mm -hmm. more progressive to being more like conservative, fundamental, like Mm -hmm. just depending on location. I think for me, and especially towards the end of my career with them, I would tell my volunteers, like, we're not here to make kids Christians. If they want, that's fine. We're doing it because of our motivation with God. I don't care at the end like i don't care like i just want kids to feel safe i would not tell donors or like our committee that because they would freak out so i like i feel like i was one of those people that i was like i want to be different like i want to be a different christian like i want to be actually like jesus i think it came from a good place but it was hurting me it was killing Mm -hmm. me inside
0: Um, tell me more about your experiences and Young Life, because I know, I think I saw you have the hashtag Me Too Young Life. So were some other hard experiences in that group?
1: I had volunteered for a couple of years, and then I went into a staff position mm. where I was on full-time staff and got paid, but I had to fundraise my salary. So I oh, was no. very underpaid, to say the least. And definitely systemic, patriarchal mm. stuff in Young Life, because like, it started as like in the 40s doing this white men like and they're oh they're raising money to take care of their families but when you're a woman trying to raise money and you're married to a man it's Mm. like he's providing for the family so if no one told me this but this is what i thought if i don't get my full salary i'm serving god it's a sacrifice i'm willing to make and like i i am privileged enough Mm. to have dual income so i'll be okay and so it's just a lot of dying just dying to myself and having to carry the whole load of the ministry because I was a woman in a small town in a rural community. So trying to get support from people with money was really difficult because most of them were like, what is this about? What's the end goal? What is this taking kids away from our church? There was a lot of territorialism. So that was really hard and draining in itself. And then Only a few, honestly, not even a year after I started going on staff or I started my full time position, I I was working at a summer camp because in Mm -hmm. Young Life staff, people will work at their summer camps and like they'll be there for a month putting on camp for all the other groups to come and attend. And then you would attend with your own group when another another staff team was leading. Mm -hmm. And so I had met another staff person and the culture of Young Life is like very friendly, very outgoing, Mm -hmm. very. And so you get close and that's in faith communities anyways oh you're going to be really open and vulnerable about your faith you're going to trust these people it just is a part of the culture and so I'd met a man who he was married and he like immediately was just like oh you should come work in my area like you'd be such a great staff person really pumped me up and also was like hey there's all these groups for people of color because I'm Cuban and Mexican even though I'm like white passing, like, finding connection in those groups was like, so significant. Didn't know how much I needed it. And so it was like, boosted me to all these good things. But then and I did feel this is weird, but he's just friendly, you give people the benefit of the doubt. And so it started off more as that and then it, it just turned into like a roller coaster of making comments on my body, like I I had lost a significant amount of weight because I started boxing. And that was honestly like one of the first steps in my healing process. And I didn't even know it in my deconstruction. I didn't even know it yet, but it was just taking care of my body and not to lose weight, but I yeah. wanted to box. It was something I always wanted to do. And so it was really emotional to like, cause just as a woman in like in this world, like body issues are They come up like, and you're always measuring yourself Mm -hmm. against something else. And so, when I started losing weight and it was like showing, he had one day said to me like, "You're getting too skinny. You need to eat more." He just said that to me on Instagram, and I was like, "You what the hell? You can't say that to me! Like, how dare you comment on my body? Like, I I said something like that. He's oh, you're so right. I'm so sorry. That was completely inappropriate. across the line. Whatever. Gave me this whole like." quote legitimate apology Uh and so what came from that was just a roller coaster of like love bombing and then put down comments like complimenting on my body and just things that I was like I don't really know how to respond to this because they were like on the edge where you're like it's not like he said something explicit Mm -hmm. I don't feel comfortable but then I would think that's just me like you this is just how that guy is I tried to normalize it. Like I had to lie to myself to normalize it. So Mm, this went on for two years and I would feel immense guilt. Am I cheating? Am I doing something wrong? But I was never adding him and being like, hey, you look really good. And like, I would just respond. And so I would feel guilty. Why haven't you stopped it? And I'm like, I don't know how to stop it. And so Mm. this all was in my head. I was dealing with this along with all the other things in ministry and faith and all like me feeling like shortcoming all the time, like just all at the same time. So I just insulated this stuff and was like, no, this internalized it. No, this isn't a problem because if it is a problem, I don't know what's going to happen. And so eventually it just got to the point where I couldn't deal with it anymore. And he had said something like a little bit more explicit, but it was just like, It was for me, it felt like an opportunity Mm, to stop it because he would stop talking to me for a while and then come back. And he lived Uh, far like he didn't live close to me. So I had felt like, oh, good, I think it's done. Finally, like I can just sweep it under the rug. I can just move on like I don't have to deal with it. And then he had just said something like I'd hit that like about me, like it was like an old picture uh, of me, like a TBT. Uh,
0: Yeah.
1: And I was like, you can't say that to me that's incredibly inappropriate of you and he uh, up I didn't mean it that way and I just had a full like meltdown (laughs) after that yeah and I like went to my husband Brad and I was like I think I'm doing something wrong and like it makes oh it makes me emotional because now I wish, I wish that version of me would have known it wasn't my fault but yeah also it makes me emotional emotional is that he said Aaron this guy is like not treating you right this guy knows exactly what he's doing and this isn't your fault and so to hear that from my partner and him like see me and not be like yeah you're you sinful whore or whatever like he was just like he was like Aaron this isn't your fault like this guy is being abusive I was like such a relief because I was so worried what is this going to do to my life? Am I going to lose everything? That was like the first time I felt like I started mm. like sticking up for myself. I ended up reporting it because a few days later the guy messaged me and he was like, so are you just going to ignore me now? And I was just oh like, my
0: gosh. Oh
1: my God, he's not going to stop. Well, and then I started to think at the bigger picture that I'm like, he has like college age women that work in his office with him. Uh, What's he doing to them? What's he yeah. saying? them, we making them feel, um, and so I ended up reporting it. And initially, like it was taken seriously, like supervisor and whatever. Like they mm-hmm. were like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna report this to HR. This isn't okay, and we're so sorry." And so I felt, oh, good, like they're actually handling it. And and it's hard because now I look back and I'm like, they should have dealt with this more harshly from the beginning. I was so yeah. afraid that. I was going to get drugged through the mud. She went to lunch with him that one time. She sent this picture like, hey, what's up? I was just like, what's going to come that is going to make me look yeah. bad? Then it's going to turn out that I actually am in the wrong. And again, that, like that bureau is just like, okay, you guys are taking care of it. Great. I backed off. Okay. He's getting quote, getting in trouble he's getting suspended for a little while. He's not going to be at camp when I'm there. He's not going to be at any things I'm at. That was like some of the stuff they told me. And he got mandatory therapy, which you know what I got? <laughs> sorry.
0: Well, yeah, I'm sorry.
1: And oh, you should consider going to therapy. That would be helpful for you. Nothing else. Wow. So now I look back and I'm like, this was not victim centered care mm. at all. You no. were rehabilitating the perpetrator. That was your goal. And obviously continuing <laughs> the good reputation. This was yeah. a this was in 2019. And then in January 2020, they like every several years they do an all staff conference at Disney World. And it's a really yeah. fun yeah. celebratory thing. And he was there at it. So Now I'm at Disneyland or whatever Disney world. And granted there's 5,000 people there, but I, it doesn't matter. Like I'm still in a room, the Mm. man. And it turned out he had done the same thing to other people. And it was known Uh, by the staff um, when, after I reported it, they said, mm. yeah, this isn't the first time he's done this. Then now I'm at this celebration and he's there too. So that I saw him probably three times there and had like a little panic attack every time. Now I like, These were things that after the fact, I was like, you guys, like, he shouldn't have gone to that. If he was really Mm, punished, he shouldn't have gone to that. And then uh, 2020 hits, COVID kind of puts a halt to everything. There was a few conversations about him Mm. potentially being at the summer camp in 2020 that I was working Uh, at, even though they promised me I wouldn't be in a room with him for at least a year. It was, it had already been broken once. And then they're like, we might, he might be there. I want to face my fear and whatever. So yeah, if he wants to go, I'm not going to, I would prefer not, but I really don't want him there. And so then in August of 2020, I had like a breakdown. It was, it was a hard year for everybody for lots of reasons. And for some people even more. And so anyways, there were just a lot of other personal things happening. And I, that was when I started going to therapy. And it's interesting because I did report the abuse in August, 2019. And then in August, 2020, Mm. I like broke down. So now I look back, I'm like, my body was like, Aaron, stop. And so I had not even thought about it. It was like, I erased it. Like I didn't want, I didn't want to reflect Mm. on any of that. I wanted to just forget about it. And so then at the end of 2020, I brought it back up to leadership because like, he basically, the way Young Life works is they, when you work at the camp during the summer, it's called your assignment. He was doing the same job that I was doing, which was like, they call it program. And you're basically upfront, you're running all the games. He was doing the same job as me, like the following month at the same property. And people who are in Young Life know that those teams collaborate a lot because we try uh-huh. to share expenses. We try, Hey, let's like go in on this bigger thing. Let's make a giant checkerboard or what, who knows what the hell, like, but stuff like that. And so those teams like often collaborated. And so they were like, he's on a different week as you. And I'm like, yeah, but he's doing like, we have, our teams have to collaborate. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, like, again, them breaking their promise to me of what they said they would do. And also I was like, and this guy, like you feel now that he's, he can be upfront leading people when you knew he was being predatory to me and other people. And so I started to want answers. And I was like, I don't understand why you all believe that like this guy is, he can now be in this position of leadership and upfront, like elevated, like what things has he done that make you see that that's okay? Because as far as I know, he got a slap on the wrist. And then, and so that was when it really, started like this was what i would think as like the secondary trauma because the sexual mm, harassment is yeah i'm not diminishing it it was not good but like i don't mm. that doesn't hurt me anymore it, it makes me angry uh-huh. but i'm not like wrecked by <laughs> the sexual harassment but the way that the organization mm. responded to me when i said yeah. hey i don't really feel like you all handled this well i was in a really traumatic state last year but now I want answers. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like you've handled it well. And I was really direct with them. And basically it was just from there, like a string of mm. re-traumatization because, well. it's like, okay, we're going to talk to, we're going to have you talk to this person about it. Okay. Now we're going to have you talk to this person about it. Okay. We're having a meeting to talk about it. And I'm like, I just want to understand mm. why you feel this guy should still have a job and why you haven't, like why you were putting him still in the same room as me when you said you wouldn't. I, that's what I want to know. And what things are you doing to prevent mm-hmm. this? That's what I want to know. And they'd come to me and be like, okay, what can we do? What would you like for us to do? And it was just like, I just asked you, <laughs> like, I yeah. just told you what I want you to do. So that like the gaslighting mm. was like, just drove mm. me crazy. And yeah. so I like from the months of whatever it was in 2021 20, of March or the end of February or whatever, through uh-huh. basically June was just a battle of me with them. I had my, I talked to my therapist about it and she's like, yeah, they are not handling this well. Mm -hmm. He wrote a letter on my behalf, like, hey, what are, like, you guys are traumatizing my client. Yeah. Nothing, it's being handled internally. And Uh... so then it finally clicked for me that I was like, they're not gonna do anything. And the moment that happened was, I had spoken on the phone with this woman from HR and she said, is, so I need to know, is there a path toward reconciliation in this? And I was like, it really depends on how you define reconciliation. So I can't answer that question for you. Cause I really wanted them to be like answer for themselves. And so I hit a point where I remember I said to my husband, I don't want to be a professional Christian anymore. And he was like, you don't have to like, you can stop this. And I, it was like, I didn't that, paradigm shift it, mm. it was a paradigm shift because, like yeah. I don't have to do this anymore and it was so part of my identity and my future that that was really hard and so they they said okay we're gonna make sure that you don't run into him unexpectedly uh. until you're ready and I was like that's the best you can do for me and they're like yeah and we might pay for your therapy we're gonna see might. what we can do yeah And I said, I literally said to the lady on the phone, I was like, I am, I am in a position. I'm working in a position higher than my current title and I'm at 60% of my salary. So you saying you might pay for my therapy really doesn't, I don't care. That doesn't do anything for me. That's ridiculous. Mm, And she was just like, we definitely we have an internal portal now where you can report online. And I'm like, that doesn't, I reported it. Like that doesn't help me. Like none of the things you're saying, they were patronizing me and I realized it. And then on this, at the same time, there's all this do better young life. I don't know if you've heard of do better young life at all, but this was a movement like in 2020 where there were people from LGBTQ community that were like, they basically were kids that grew up in young life they were queer they were always welcome at club and everything but then when they got older and they wanted to be a leader that's uh-huh. you you can't be queer and be a leader that's against the sexual uh. conduct policy so in their policy they have like non-heterosexual out of marriage sexual conduct or whatever as like a that's sexual misconduct alongside with sexual harassment and abuse those two things shouldn't be in the same category too. no All of this is going on at the same time. And they're being like, we are following scripture. And so we can't change our policy. And there's, if you guys look up, do better young life. It's heartbreaking. The stories, like, it's heartbreaking. And they're like, we have to, this is scripture. This is what the Bible says. Like we have to follow our conviction. And so I was on the phone with the divisional vice president. I can't remember if it was before or after I quit. And I said, it's appalling to me. That you will fire someone because they're queer. Mm. And you will find reason to keep someone who's uh, a sexual predator on yeah. staff. And those things are not equivalent. Like those are not yeah. the same thing. And I uh-huh. don't like I'm not saying it to equate it, but I'm saying it is like this person is not a dangerous person. This is a uh-huh. safe, loving person that you have a different theological viewpoint with. This yeah. person is an actual predator, but he yeah. lines up with your faith. Oh, let's keep them mm. and let's put yeah, him on stage. Ooh. So it was ridiculous, and by yeah. the time I quit, I said I felt like a, like a Capri Sun, where you like drink it when you were a kid, and you'd like just suck it dry. Like, I don't know yes. how to word it, but it was like cold, totally. And I was like, "This is me. There's nothing left. I'm like a carcass of myself." And mm. so leaving, literally, it saved me. Like I, I no. wasn't. I wouldn't say I was like suicidal or anything. That's just not a ideation that like for my mental health that's not where like my Mm. issues lead but I was just like a shell of myself Mm. and I'm just grateful for the support of my partner because he was like he was supporting me but letting me fight my battles but also being like Aaron like these people are hurting you you need to Mm -hmm. stop like negotiating with them because they're not gonna they're not Mm. so it was like this for me the combination I needed of like this Protection and support, I guess, but he wasn't Mm. fighting the battle for me, but he was alongside with me. So Mm. I quit Um, in June 2020 or 2021. And I said in my resignation letter exactly why I left Mm. for their mishandling and Mm. traumatization of me. Mm. So that's my journey with young life and my experience. Yeah.
0: I'm so glad that you got out and thank you for sharing that story. Being vulnerable and authentic and what you were saying about how the do better young, alive, Mm -hmm. the queer person and the predator and how they tried to equate those and how you were saying that those were not the same and how they protected the predator. He subscribed to their beliefs. It was, that just made me think. There's this quote I posted three days ago, which, because it's just something I thought of and I don't know if you saw it. And this is what I say, which it made me, I thought of that. It's like, when someone's goodness is determined by the beliefs or doctrines they subscribe to, but not their behavior or actions towards others, this is where abuse will thrive. <laughs> that's 100%. what I wrote.
1: hundred <laughs> percent. That's like a microcosm of this whole thing. Wow. Yes.
0: And so it's, and to me, that's just, it blows my mind how there, and I saw this at Bob Jones and even in the cult that I grew up in, oh, if this person, oh, they agree theologically with us, we won't hold them accountable. And it's just, and it's really like you were saying about protecting the reputation of the organization above all else. And it's not focused on the person who was victimized or harmed in any way. And to me, when I see this happening and I'm like, okay, they're so worried about their reputations, but they're making their reputations so much worse because they're not dealing with these exactly matters appropriately. And it builds up until people, ha- they've harmed so many people that then like a whole movement has to start. Yep. And it's and it just, what happened. It doesn't make any sense to me. I'm like, okay, you're so worried about your reputation, but you're ruining it by not doing anything yeah. and like, not caring. You're and,
1: literally like shooting yourself in the foot right now. Yes. Like what like, you're doing. Yeah.
0: Uh, and. And the thing is, when abuse happens in in an organization and there is an internal investigation by the own organization, it never Mm. ends up well at all. That's what I've noticed. No. It it has to be. Every time. Like it has to be from the outside because there's less of bias involved. There's less to lose with those people from the outside involved. And sadly at Bob Bobner's university, there was a major sexual abuse scandal where Things were handled internally terribly and an outside source of organization had to come in and deal with all this shit that Bob Jones mishandled. And and I'm not going to go into it, but if people are interested, just look up the grace report, Bob Jones University online. Okay. I've
1: heard of the grace report. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Just you can, anyone can Google that and you can find a lot of information on that whole fiasco. But what advice do you have for people who are stuck in these toxic religious environments and i know it was hard for you to escape because you were so indoctrinated it was your identity Mm -hmm. what advice do you have for people who are stuck in these religious environments
1: i think like something that's really at least for my own journey that was helpful was like really connecting with my own Mm -hmm. body yeah because this chokes me up. My body has been with me the whole time through all of it. Like my body knows it's like, I can trust myself. And so the cliche Mm. of trust your gut is it's so overused, but I think it's so true. And it's, I think it's scary because typically in these religions where it's like, you Mm. have to be the thought police of yourself. It's like, you don't even know yourself and you don't even know. If you can find a way to get in touch with yourself and trust yourself, you're going to, I think you'll figure it out. And it's be okay with those scary things. Be okay Mm. with those questions because like you're, I don't know. And maybe it's just like basic survival instincts of like Mm. (laughs) our bodies and our mind, like our brains, like on a more primal level, we need to survive. But it's obviously, I'm not a psychologist or any any expert, but I know we have these like protective mm-hmm. fight or flight things and stuff like that. Yes. It's like If you can find a way to reconnect with yourself, mm-hmm. you know that this is mm-hmm. wrong yeah. and you're allowed to feel that way. And you're allowed mm-hmm. to be uncomfortable with something, yeah. any situation you can be so different. And I feel lucky that I have a partner that is like still with me through deconstructing and not he's, he still practices his faith. Like personally, he doesn't go to church or anything like that, mm-hmm. but like, we have a healthy respect for each other. And mm. he is, so I'm lucky in that. Not everyone yeah. has that. And so I yeah. don't, but know that resources like Andrew are here to connect mm. people to be able to find those, those mm. ways of escape, whatever that might look mm. like. Mm. And you're not alone. If something's happened to you, I guarantee mm. it's happened to other people. Mm. And cause we're all out here and we're all starting to share. Yes. And it's wild how like textbook everything is there yes. might be different packaging or whatever but it's literally the same for
0: yes everyone. yes I know exactly what you mean the, the dynamics of these organizations and even like recognizing different cultic groups and how they all function very yeah. similarly and how different abuse and the patterns of abuse and how it happens and how it's hidden and sadly there have been things like the SBC which definitely. Yeah. Is the more recent and like even Jehovah's Witness recently? There are different things coming out, and there's even a a whole podcast too, just that focuses on the IFB abuse too. Which, for people listening, preacher boys, yes, the preacher boys. (laughs) yes I love I was on that on one episode and I love Eric and his show so much I wonder
1: if that's where I found you first I don't remember I've listened to a bunch of these podcasts because that was like part of my search when I was like I need information Mm. and that helped me the woman that spoke out about Ravi Zacharias oh yeah that was a big springboard because I realized like even though like her situation was you could say it was quote like an affair but it's like there was an imbalanced power dynamic there. She came out and it gave me like courage that I was like, yeah, it doesn't matter, great. even if you're a quote willing participant of the abuse, yeah, you're it's not your fault. Yeah. You didn't ask for them to mistreat mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And so you mm-hmm. can speak out. And anyways. And
0: I highly suggest for people to look into coercive control, which yeah. is something that people are now starting to bring more awareness there are different cases that are coming up in courts so of people who have in cults or in different groups who have done terrible things but they were also subjected to abuse too and they started huh. doing the abuse so it's people are like how did this happen Figuring out the yeah. dynamics and the and how these things happened and like, can a person actually be under mind control and be forced to do horrific things huh and things like wow. that wow. so it's been interesting to and I think there, I think the most recent case of like coercive control that was famous was like a, a woman who convinced her boyfriend to commit suicide. God. Which I think that was like a big, I think it's a Hulu series now.
1: I've mm. heard of that.
0: It's I, like girl, I, the girl I, of Plainville, I think, or something.
1: Yeah, and she, there was text messages and stuff or something like that. Yeah, text like messages. That. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So that's like an example of how we, hmm. thankfully, people are getting justice. Of a different psychological manipulation or abuse that people have been subjected mm-hmm. to. But before we end this interview, is there anything else that you would like to say, Aaron?
1: I just would like to add if you or someone you know has experienced any type of mm-hmm. sexual or gender based mm-hmm. discrimination in Young Life, we actually currently have a lawsuit like Ooh, with them, or it. whatever yes. you want to call it with the EOC is investigating Young Life. Mm-hmm. We have lawyers, so Mm. you can, if you follow us at Me Too Young Life, we can connect you with resources for that. And maybe it even is just support. We have some people that will share their stories. Basically Mm. our our platform is like a anonymous submission based platform. Some people Mm. put their name on it, but not everybody does. And some people just share and say, I I don't want this to Mm. be shared in any capacity, but we're still there to listen. And this is all survivor based don't have any type mm. of therapy, anything, but we can pro- connect people with yeah. resources. And mm. so even if you haven't by young life, still reach out to us because it's like we're here to support each other. That's mm. one thing I would just plug. Yeah. You're not alone.
0: Yes, that's so great. Thank you. I've greatly enjoyed this conversation and hearing your story. And oh, I just I absolutely love this show and all the different survivors like it to me, and just the strength and the vulnerability and the empowerment. Thank you again so much for coming on.
1: Thank you, Andrew. I really appreciate getting to share. It is like I said, it's healing. And also, oh, I yes. just, I love what you're doing. And it just oh, so, like, you. obviously, I don't know you, but I'm like, I'm so proud of what you're oh, doing. Because Thank you. I feel like it's paving the way for this future of people coming out of it. Like some of us are like me, I can do my stuff I can mm. go so far but I think you're paving a path for the future and like mm. what it looks like psychologically and like mm. really affirming this as no this is I don't know there's science oh. that shows yes. like this is wrong and mm. so I'm just you should be very proud of what you do oh, I think it's thank awesome. you
0: so much but, that is so encouraging because <laughs> it's hard honestly because yeah, you know, as we were talking in. about <laughs> as you talked about earlier Thankfully, I do get a lot of sweet, positive messages, but there are some people like earlier today that will just come after me and like basically try to silence me and be like, quit talking about this or- there will be people who will try to silence you. And then that just motivates me to keep talking and speaking. Yeah,
1: oh, me too. Yeah, I'm like, if you have a problem with what I'm saying, like me saying, you should have a problem with why it even happened to begin with. And if you don't, then step aside, please. I'll be Uh, keeping speaking.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. All right, awesome. Thank you everyone who is listening. And this was Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. Thank you for listening to Speaking Up with Andrew Pleasure. Your support is much appreciated. Please leave a review and share with friends and family. And if you can, please support me on Patreon, and the link is in my description. Thank you so much for listening to Speaking Up with Andrew Pleasure.